Genesis chapter 37, 39, 41, and 45. And uh, I believe the Lord spoke this message into my heart yesterday afternoon. And uh, I'm excited about what God has for us today. Praise God. So I'm going to read the first verse is Genesis 37 and verse number 24. And they took him, referring to Joseph, and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Okay? So that's the first one. Genesis 39. Verse number 2, just be ready for that one. I want to read one quick one here That's not that I didn't give to Elena. It's verse 36 of chapter 37. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. And then in 39 verse 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph. Everybody say, The Lord was with him. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. Look over now into chapter 39, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And down a couple scriptures later, verse 23 The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. Chapter 41 and verse number 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. Verse number 40 of chapter 41. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And then last but not least, chapter 45 and verse number 5. It says, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. I want to preach with the help of the Lord today, and I hope to minister to each person here this message from the pit to the palace. From the pit to the palace. Would you just bow your heads where you're at and ask the Lord to speak to us today? Jesus, Lord, I believe that you put this on my heart to share with your people today, and I'm asking you to fill me up and pour me out upon your people. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you're speaking to the church. Help us to understand. Help the spirit of revelation, Lord, to come alive in our spirit today and allow us, Lord God, to sit in heavenly places with you for the next few minutes where your word comes alive in each one of us. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. If you don't know the story of Joseph, he was a brat. So we all got a chance. 
Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. Joseph was the one that Jacob gave the coat of many colors to. Jacob was elevated in the eyes of Jacob above his older brothers, of which he had several. And uh, Joseph didn't know how to keep his mouth shut. Joseph was the kind of individual when God began to speak to him or give him dreams, he decided that he would share those dreams. And so he told his father and his brothers the dreams that he would have. And one of the dreams was his sheaf of wheat stood tall and the rest of them bowed before him. And uh, that didn't sit well with the brothers and if you have brothers and sisters, you can just imagine how well that was received. You think I'm going to bow before you? Mm-hmm. Sure. Keep dreaming. And Joseph said, okay. So then God gave him a dream where the sun, the moon, and the stars all bowed before him. And again, Joseph couldn't keep his mouth closed, and so he shared that and ticked his whole family off. Jacob was even like, are you really thinking that we're all going to bow before you? And uh, it, it lets me know this. Sometimes when God gives you something, it's not for you to express it. It's for you to pray about it, for you to bathe it in prayer and secrecy as God's going to reward you openly. Don't push, because here's the thing, your dream doesn't mean much to me because it's yours, and my dream doesn't mean much to you because it's mine, and so when you begin to share, with, I know of people whose life has been knocked off course simply because they shared what they believed God was speaking to somebody that wasn't ready to receive it. And so the person that was supposed to receive it didn't receive it but ridiculed them and or said you're nuts or said you had too much pizza before bed. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? So if God has been speaking into you and God has been giving you, it may not be given for you to express it. It may be given for you to bathe it in prayer and say, God, if it be your will, let it happen as God sees fit to let it happen. Praise God. So it comes along as you read the story. It says that the brothers were very jealous of Joseph. And uh, it came, came to pass that as they were out in the pasture taking care of the flocks and doing whatever they were doing, that Joseph was sent by Jacob with some food and said, go check on your brothers. But the brothers had been sitting there gossiping with one another about their brother Joseph and being critical and being resentful of the favoritism of Joseph and the idea that Joseph thought that these guys who were much older than he was were going to bow before him. And, and, and so they had made a scheme to when Joseph was going to come out and join them that they would show Joseph. And they said, let's just kill him while he's out here. 
and will tell dad that some beast got him and it'll be over. The story will be over. And so what they did was they first of all decided, okay, let's throw him into a pit. Now the Bible says it this way, that Reuben, who was the oldest, and because he was the oldest, he was the wisest. Just kidding. But Reuben is the one that said, don't, don't allow, don't kill him. Throw him into the pit. And in Reuben's mind, the Bible tells us because he was going to come back around for Joseph and bring him back to the father. But throw him in this pit. And so the brothers threw him in the pit. And I find it very interesting that the scripture after they throw him in the pit, the Bible says that they, uh, in verse number 25, they sat down to eat. He's in the pit. Let's party. Now, I want you to notice something. These were not strangers to Joseph. These were not unknowns. These were his brothers. These were his family. This was those that were supposed to be the closest to him. And because of their jealousy and their envy, they threw him into a pit. They threw him into a hole in the ground. Can I just tell you that some of you have been dealing with people that are supposed to be close to you, but as you share your newfound favor in God and the blessings of the Lord, they don't receive them like you think they're going to receive them, but they receive them with a jealousy and an envy, and theoretically or, or, or spiritually, they throw you into a pit. Don't... Get freaked out by your pit experience. Joseph did nothing to deserve to land in the pit. You didn't do anything to deserve landing in your pit. Can I say that again? You didn't deserve it. You're there but you didn't deserve it. You're there, but it's not fair. You're there because somebody that seemingly loved you said something wrong about you, chastised you, criticized you, became envious of you, and said it's easier to throw them in the pit to do anything else. And now you're in the pit. Can I tell you what this pit was? This pit was a pit of rejection. See, all I can see, now I, all I can see is this. Joseph was just about the baby of the family. Not quite. He was second to the last. So he had ten older brothers, one younger brother. Okay? I know in families... The younger brother likes to look up to the older brother. And I can just see Joseph coming, running down the, the lane with a little bit of cheese and bread. Hey, Reuben and Levi and, and, and Judah and, and, and Simeon, I, I've got some stuff for you. Aren't you happy that I'm here? Man, that really... And so he was rejected by his very brothers. 
the same brothers that was raised in the house of the patriarch Jacob, whose grandfather was the patriarch Isaac, whose great-grandfather was the patriarch Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Then it was Reuben and Simeon and Judah and all them, and they're the ones that rejected Joseph. It was a pit where Joseph had, I don't know what, the Bible doesn't tell us what Joseph was thinking when he was down in the bottom of the hole. And it doesn't tell us whether he heard the clanking of glasses and the celebratory uh, meal that was happening outside the pit. All he was feeling was rejected by his brothers. Thankfully, Judah and Reuben had some sway with the other brothers and said, now, they weren't doing this out of the kindness of their heart. They were greedy. They wanted some moolah. And they said, well, why should we just kill him? Let's make some money off of him and sell him to the, the Ishmaelites that are driving by the caravan. And so Judah says, yeah, let, let's make some money. So they pulled Joseph out of the pit. Let me just be a warning to you. Just because the person that caused you get into the get into the pit may not be the right person to get you out of it. Can I tell you what was probably going through Joseph's minds? Oh, they changed their mind. They really do love me. Yeah, they rejected me the first time they threw me in the pit, but now they think that they can just take me up and it was just it was just big brothers being big brothers. But when Jacob or when Joseph gets outside the pit, he recognizes that it's not only another rejection and not only is he going to not just be killed in this pit, but that he's now being sold into slavery to the Ishmaelites. It was a pit of worthlessness. Yes, he got some money. The brothers got some money for him. But can you imagine how you would feel? 20 shekels? 11 grams of silver? That's it? I must not be worth very much. Dad thought I was worthy of a really nice coat. But my brothers have rejected me, and they don't even see that I'm worth more than 11 grams of silver. Now, that's really tiny, by the way. That's not that much. How worthless did Joseph feel in that moment? And we don't have much of the story of what Joseph did with the Midianites. But somewhere along the line, the Midianites sold them from one aspect of slavery into another aspect of slavery. And Joseph was put in Potiphar's house. Another pit, if you will. Another place of rejection. Another place of servitude. Another place of recognizing that you're not very worthy. But I read to you and we repeated together in verse 2 of chapter 39 that the Lord was with Joseph. My friend, whatever pit you are in today, I want you to rest assured that the Lord is with you. I want you to understand that whether the pit may be rejection, it may be worthlessness, whatever your pit is, 
Jesus is right there with you. He was with him so much that he became a successful man in his pit. Let me say that again. He became a successful man in his pit. God didn't deliver him from the pit. God sent him from one pit to the other pit to the next pit. He looked, he looked into, the, uh, into the heart of Joseph and said, I can use this cat. I can use this dude. He, he's going to help me save all kinds of people because of the famine that's coming. And so I'm going to go with him in the middle of his pit. I'm going to make him successful in the middle of his pit. My friend, you can be successful in God no matter where you're at, no matter what pit you think you're dwelling in. It may be dark, it may be dreary, it may be confining, but God can make you successful in the midst of your pit. So much so that Potiphar let Joseph take care of everything. He was in charge of everything. In fact, the scripture will tell you that Potiphar didn't even know his finances. They were all under Joseph. Everything. Didn't know how many servants he had. Didn't know his possessions. The Bible says it this way in verse 6. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge because of him. He had no concern about anything but the food he ate. In his pit. Don't stop serving. Don't stop loving. God can take your talents and abilities in the pit and bless the pit holder. You're praying for your family that got you in this pit? Just keep serving. Just keep loving, and the blessings of him being with you will pour over to the people that put you into the pit in the first place. Potiphar was successful. Didn't have to worry about anything except what he ate because Joseph was used of God while he was in a pit. I know it wasn't a natural pit, but I don't think Joseph was all excited and chose, oh, let me go to Potiphar's house. He was sold by the Midianites into Potiphar's house. He was a slave and a servant that had no rights, that had no rights, that had no rights. There's sometimes when you're in your pit, you really don't have any rights. Just serve him anyhow. It won't seem fair. Did it seem fair that the boy with the coat of many colors was sold into slavery twice, thrown into a physical pit at least once, thrown into a prison another time that we're going to get to here in a minute? In the midst of all of his pits, Jesus was with him. God was walking with him. God was holding him. God was leading him. God was blessing him. God was keeping him. God was preparing him. God was knocking off the rough edges for him. God was making a if he wouldn't have the pit experiences, we may not have had the Jewish country in Egypt a couple hundred years later after they were saved from the famine because of the one that went from the pit to the palace. Don't go against your pit experience, but get a hold of the hand of God who's already there with you. 
Because the Lord was with him. But then, old Potiphar's wife thought Joseph was a little bit handsome. Hey, that's not me, that's Scripture. Scripture said it that way. And went in and tried to entice him in his pit. Joseph refused the enticement and ran and fled from the situation. Can I tell you, when you face the enticement of your enemy, go ahead and flee from him. But don't be surprised of stepping into another pit of false accusation. Listen, you may have meant it according to the Bible. You have meant it as according to your purity. You may have run away because you didn't want to get involved in it. It doesn't mean the lying wife of Potiphar is not going to speak against you. Can I tell you, he went from the house of Potiphar to another pit called prison, all because of a false accusation. Can I tell you, don't get wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in people's false accusations. Just continue to live for God. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where Joseph throws himself into a fit. I don't see where he tries to defend his innocency. I don't see where he tries to take him to court and sue him. All I know is this. He stepped out of one pit into another because he was falsely accused. From pit to pit to pit. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. The third pit, so to speak, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. The Lord is with you. I said the Lord is with you. The creator of the universe is in the pit with you. He doesn't rule from outside the pit and speak tender mercies to you. He crawls into the pit with you and embraces you and holds you and ministers to you. In the darkest of your midnight hour, he is right there with you. The Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord is with you. In the situation that's tearing me apart, the Lord is with me. When my family turns against me, the Lord is with me. When I'm rejected of my loved ones, the the Lord is with me when I'm accused falsely. The Lord is with me. Everywhere I walk, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. It was so much so that a scripture is almost repeated. In verse number 23, now it's the keeper of the prison. It was Potiphar. Now it's the keeper of the prison. Paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. In every pit, the keeper of the pit recognized the authority of the dweller in the pit.
Listen, don't mistake this. Don't miss this. The thing that is taking care of your pit recognizes who you are. He knows who you are. And more importantly, he knows whose you are. And he knows who's with you. And because he knows who's with you, he's willing to let you be. But you're still in your pit. See, too many of us get into our pits, and the first thing that we do is, God, get me out. God, I'm in here. It's not my fault. I didn't do anything. They're partying over me. They're having fun on my behalf, and I didn't do anything. It's not fair, God. Get me out. God, I was rejected. I, I, I was told that I was worthless. God, that father, that mother, that teacher, man, when I was 10 years old, they told me I'd never amount to anything. I'd never be anything. I, I'm worthless, God. I've been in this pit for a long time. Just get me out of this pit. And the whole time, God is in the pit, and he's sitting there with you. And as you're praying to get out, he says, I'm here. I'm here. I am right here. I don't need to get you out of the pit. I'm as close to you in the pit as you're out of the pit, but I'm doing something in you and through you, and somebody's life is going to be changed because you're allowing me to be in the pit with you. To where the keeper of the prison said he didn't care about anything under his charge because the Lord was with him. So while he's in that pit... The butler and the baker, only missing the candlestick maker, was there with him. And they came to Joseph and said, hey, we've had dreams. Joseph hadn't thought about dreams for quite some time. His dreams were, were shattered the moment that his brothers threw him in the pit. But came to him about dreams. Listen, when you're in your pit... God will send people that need your help in your pit with the things that he's placed in you and the giftings that he's placed in you. There was something about dreams in Joseph, and Joseph needed to have the butler and the baker there, and Joseph needed to be there so that he could minister to them in the midst of the pit. And so the butler has the good one. Yeah, you're going to be restored. In three days' time, you're going to be back in, the, in Pharaoh's courts. But old butler, or old baker, you've baked your last loaf of bread. You're cooked. Within three days' time, your life is going to be taken from you. And the only thing that Joseph asked of the butler was, remember me which led Joseph into another level of his pit, the pit of the forgotten. For at least two years, the butler forgot all about Joseph. Now, I need to help somebody right here. God will use you to perform a miracle in the life of somebody that will forget about you. Yeah, they'll enjoy the miracle. The, the, the butler enjoyed going back to the courts of Pharaoh. He wasn't 
killed like the, the baker was, he was set free. He was restored. And you would think that somewhere in that restoration and that excitement about the miracle, he would remember the person that, that prophesied of the miracle in Joseph. But no, he didn't until Pharaoh had a dream. And then Pharaoh had a dream and nobody could do it. And the butler found, oh, that's right. Oh, man. It's been two years. In fact, he said it this way in verse 9. I remember my offenses today. Somewhere along the line, the person that you've blessed will remember that he forgot you. So don't hang it over his head. Just continue to live in the pit because God's with you. And so Pharaoh sends for Joseph in verse 14. And notice what it says. And they quickly brought him out of the pit. Doesn't say prison. Doesn't say jail. It says pit. It's the word bore, B-O-R. That's the pit. So from the pit of rejection to the pit of worthlessness to the pit of uh, false accusation to the pit of forgetfulness, he's now standing in the courts of of the leader of the land, from the pit to the palace. And some of us would get excited because it would seemingly say, I'm set free. I'm standing in the presence of the king. I'm standing in the presence of Pharaoh. But he's still in his pit. He hasn't been set free yet. But what happens? Pharaoh shares with him a dream that he had. And so God reaches into Joseph and transports Joseph all the way back through each individual pit, back to the place where God began to give him dreams as a young boy and says to Joseph, so to speak, here's what you're going to say to Pharaoh. And Joseph takes that which happened to him years and years ago and began to explain the dream of Joseph or to uh, Pharaoh. You're going to have seven good years, seven lean years. If you don't take care of the seven good years, the seven lean years are going to get you all. And in verse 40, verse 39, Pharaoh says to Joseph, notice this, since God has shown you all this, it wasn't Joseph interpreting the dream since God has showed it to you, how would Joseph know that God was showing him the meaning of the dream? I'll tell you why. Because Joseph recognized that God was with him in every pit. If he was with me in the pit of rejection, he's with me now. If he was with me in the pit of worthlessness, he's with me now. If he was with me in the pit of false accusation, he's with me now. If he was in the pit of forgetfulness with me, he's with me now. And because he's with me, God will show me. But I want you to see who declares that God shows it. It's not Joseph. The Pharaoh says... Since God has shown this to you, 
There is none so discerning and wise as you are. Somebody get this and wrap your hands around it and your head around it, your heart around it. What made Joseph discerning and wise was that he had experienced the pit. Your pits are not designed to harm you, to hurt you, or destroy you. They are designed to form you and shape you and mold you into the instrument that God can use. And so when Joseph comes in, the Pharaoh identifies because you're discerning and wise. I think if Pharaoh would have asked him, I think Joseph would have said this. Well, let me tell you about my story. I was born in the household of one of the patriarchs of the Hebrews. But my brothers didn't want me. My original slaveholders thought they could make more from me. So I ended up in Potiphar's house. Your Potiphar's, Pharaoh. And I did some good work there. Except he's married to a Jezebel. And she wanted to falsely accuse me of things that I did not do. And so I ended up in one of your prisons. But Pharaoh, don't be upset. Because I went through each one of those pits so that I could stand before you today with discernment and wisdom. And we together can save the world from this famine. That's Tim Sanders' version, by the way. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only in the fact that I sit on the throne is how I'm greater than you. My friend, I believe that there is coming a time when the Pharaoh of your life is going to look at you and say, you've been through this and this and this, but I'm getting ready to elevate you to this. You were forgotten, mistreated, rejected. You went through a season of worthlessness. But with the help of God, I see it. I see you're worth everything. I see that you shouldn't be rejected, but you're accepted. I can't believe false accusations anymore. I can't, I'm never going to forget you now because I'm going to elevate you. Now, I'm going to read between the lines. This is Tim Sanders. This isn't Joseph. But if I was Joseph, the first call I would make as second in command in all of Egypt, hey, Potiphar, remember when you thought your wife knew everything? Here I am. Listen, I know that's my flesh talking. That's how I would do it. But can I tell you something? Satan, you meant me to stay in that pit of rejection. But here I am. You meant for that pit of worthlessness to swallow me up. Here I am. 
Yeah, Satan, you, you thought that pit of a false accusation against me, false witness against me, would destroy me, would, would consume me. Uh-uh. Here I am. You thought I was forgotten, Satan. You thought you were already victorious over me. You thought I was down and out. But let me just tell you, my friend, I'm up and in. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. God's elevating me. I am a child of God. I have stepped out of every pit that, he's, that I've been placed in, and he is elevating me to a place of royalty. For the Bible says you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. From the pit to the palace. But it doesn't end there. If you continue to read the story, for seven years they preserve all of the, the harvests and they build barns all over the, the countryside of Egypt so that when the seven years of famine will hit, all of a sudden you would have the food prepared and the famine wouldn't be as destructive. But let me tell you, have you ever wondered why God allowed a famine to happen at that moment and at that time? Watch this. From the palace to the pit of forgetfulness. To the pit of false accusation. To the pit of rejection. To the land of a dream where the sheaths were going to bow before and the sun and the moon and the stars were going to bow. He had to go through all of those pits to fulfill the dream that God gave him years before. Let me just tell somebody today, all of the junk that you have fallen into, stepped into, and think that it's trying to destroy you is simply God's way to get you to the place where the fulfillment of his original calling in your life that you may not even recognize today is going to come to pass. There is getting ready to be a breakthrough in the ministries that God founded a long time ago. And over the course of years, you have walked from pit to pit to pit, wondering if God even knew where you were. Let me just tell you, he was right there the whole time. Every time you were getting hammered, every time you were getting high, every time you were losing out with God, God was right there with you. Every time you spent wrong, every time you made a stupid decision, every time you lied, every time you cheated, every time you broke your word, every time all those kinds of things, God was right there in the pit with you and he was forming you for the time where you were going to be elevated from the pit listen my friend you'll step into a palace you'll step into an authority you'll step into an anointing not to pat you on the back but he's going to use you now watch this this is how he used you Bradley, stand up for me real quick over there. Just stand right over there. I have entered into an anointing because my brother pushed me into a pit. 
But I stand in the palace so that I can now minister to my brother. Huh? Joseph said it this way. Thank you, Bradley. Joseph said it this way. Don't be distressed. Don't be upset with yourself that you rejected me way back when. God used it and meant it so that I would be in a place and a position to use what God gave me through every pit so that your life would be spared. From the pit to the palace, God is calling you through different things in order to put you in a position to minister to those that originally placed you in the pit. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. So, what happens? Joseph messes with his brothers a little. But ultimately, what happens? The sheaves bow. They go and they get Jacob and the rest of the household. They come. They bow. But what ultimately happens, they're fed. They're preserved. The nation of Israel. Remember, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. The nation of Israel came in the midst of a famine that was wiping out people. Because God allowed somebody to go through some pits to be in a place where the people that he had chosen, that he had called, that he had made covenant with could come and find sustenance. And notice what happens after the conversation with Pharaoh. Pharaoh doesn't say, oh, well, that's good for you, Joseph. I'm glad your family's back. I'm glad all the Hebrews are back. Just go into the back 40 somewhere and just hide around. No, 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 no. The Bible says that he gave Jacob and his family the best of the land. Here's what I'm trying to tell somebody. We are getting ready, if we have not already started, to enter a season where God elevates some of us from the pit, not just to pat us on the back, but to continue to draw those that are still in some pits. God's with them, but they're still coming out of some pits. But even more importantly than that, to reach those that don't know him yet, to come into the house of God, and we're not going to give them the leftovers. We're not going to send them to the back 40, but God's going to give them the very best of his blessings. God's going to bless them beyond measure. God's going to touch them beyond measure. Why? Because we have gone from a pit to a palace. Would you stand and in your own personal way acknowledge the word of the Lord? Ha. Ha.
Yeah. That's the Lord. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. If you're new here today, you're just feeling the presence of Jesus. He's here right now. Reach out and touch him. Reach out and touch him. Lord, in the middle of the pit, let me feel you. Let me sense you. Lord, if I'm being elevated, let me sense you. In Jesus' name. Yes, 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 yes. of the Holy Ghost flow right now from the front to the back and from side to side. Let the Spirit of the Lord flow freely. <sighs> Jesus. 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 As the praise goes up, the walls come down. As the praise goes up, the walls come down. As the praise goes up, the walls come down. Hallelujah. 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 Let them fall, God. 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 His presence is right here. 